0: Here we come blue and white and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the
1: ball.
0: That was a tough all week, wasn't it, for those Blues fans are there? Hello, everyone, welcome back to the Brunton Bugle, the latest episode. Uh, your one stop shop for Cal United news and views. From Alfred Agar to Ben Amos and Scott McGarvey to Paul Murray, we've got it covered. In today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the draw against Salford and the late defeat against Tranmere Rovers. Uh, we're also going to look ahead to what we hope will be much easier games against Oldham Athletic and Colchester United. Jinxed it there now, haven't I? And uh, as usual, there'll be some news updates on looking at what ex-United players and managers have been getting up to. Uh, as usual, join me one of my regular co-hosts, and today it's Mike. Mike, mate, how's it going?
1: Yeah, it's alright. You know, it's all right. it's uh, not the results that we were hoping for, is it? But we've got two games now where we can hopefully stop the rot and turn it around.
0: Yeah, that's the key thing, isn't it? You've you just got to put those games to the back of your mind now and get on with the new games. Although I say put them to the back of your mind, we we'll are probably going to spend about 10, 15 minutes ranting about them in a minute anyway. So, <laughs> so there you go. Let's get straight into the news then, uh, Mike. Um, so not a huge amount of news again. Uh, you know, the, the way things are at the moment, it's just games thick and fast and there's not really much happening between them, is there? So, uh, but there is a bit of news in terms of games. So the Easter games have been switched now. Um, we thought maybe that the switching round of games had been done for this season but actually this is something we suggested isn't it Mike I mm. think on the podcast me, you and Dan and I'm glad to see it's been arranged it, it just shows you know a good bit of you know work from all the teams involved and credit to them for you know Making the switches where they could, so um so basically united trip South End will no longer take place on good friday it 's now going to be on Saturday, the third of April with a one p m kickoff and the home fixture against Scunthorpe, which is supposed to take place on easter monday that 's now going to be on the Tuesday on the sixth of April with a seven p m kickoff Now this has only been possible because Morecambe have kindly agreed to move their Easter Monday fixture against Southend United to the Tuesday night as well so you know fair play to Morecambe, they didn't have to make that move they could have stuck with it and say no we're quite happy playing Easter Monday but but no fair play to them they they switched that game so makes things a little bit easier doesn't it Mike, I think but it does mean mm-hmm. a straight run of Saturday Tuesdays all the way through pretty much to the end of the season now
1: yeah but i think a, a friday monday in the middle of that would have been uh, pretty tough so yeah it's uh, it's, it's it's good all round really isn't it
0: yeah, in a weird way, though, that Monday to Saturday would have been a nice, slightly longer break for the team. But this probably mm. works better in terms of getting a rhythm and getting a routine mm. together as well, I guess. Um, only a bit of news we've got is there about the Blue store. So there, as many of you may remember, a few weeks ago, we were saying how the Blue store was shut due to the national lockdown taking place. Well, um, the club have announced now that from Monday the 1st of March, the... Blue Star will reopen for online and telephone sales. As usual, this time of year, there's loads of kits and bits and bobs that are being reduced. Unfortunately, there's no home shirts uh, in adult sizes left this season, is there? Bit of an interesting hmm. one, that. So uh, so if you want to get yourself a shirt, um, you better get them quick, because I don't imagine there'll be a huge amount of stock of the other ones left.
1: Either. Or put a, put a load of weight on, or lose a load of weight, and then there'll be plenty left in your size.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's the key thing, isn't it, if you want? <laughs> There's usually some triple X's uh, left. Uh, thankfully, I'm not quite that size yet, despite all the, <laughs> the amount of sweets and chocolate I've ate during lockdown. Um, not a huge amount else, like I said, in terms of news. I think the only thing we want to possibly mention is that some interesting comments from Nigel Clemens in the last few days. He's been doing a few bits for the club website again, keeping fans informed. One of the things they discussed was obviously in Boris's latest uh, road map out of the lockdown, he has mentioned, obviously, fans are going to be back in stadiums. But the date that comes in, I think it's 17th of May, is it? And that's going to be mm. after the league two season ends, although in time for the playoff final at Wembley. Um, there is a suggestion, though, there's going to be need to be some test events for this, isn't there? And mm. unsurprisingly, Nigel couldn't said, well, we're putting a hand up for that straight away, you know, to show people that it is possible. So, Small chance, maybe for the last couple of home games, you might get a chance to to go to matches. You never know. Be interesting yeah, to see what I mean, there. Th-
1: there is a few things that are opening up, and uh, that sort of begs the question: Well, if that can open, why not football? But you know, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll the see only what thing, happens nearer the time.
0: I think it's probably more likely the Premier League games for test events this time because mm. I do wonder if the EFL might look at it and say, "Is it really fair that Carlisle may be going to have fans for the last two home games?" Whereas, mm. you know, all the other te- teams in the league aren't and we're going for promotion. You know, it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? it yeah. be interesting to see what happens. Mm. Okay, let's get onto the match reviews then, Mike. So uh, we're looking back at the games against Salford and Tramir Rovers. Um, first off, the Salford game was a 1-1 draw um, after taking an early through George Tanner's goal. Um, James Wilson, your favourite there, Mike. You've um, mm. got a, a equaliser with 11 minutes left. I think he had to play pretty much the last 10 minutes though on one leg didn't he because he was I think he mm. got an injury and just basically just standing around and not doing much for them um, but yeah made a positive impact when he came on for Salford um, and then obviously the Tranmere game just, I think that's probably the most disappointing of the two really uh, 3-2 defeat thanks to a, a late James Vaughan goal my favourite goal scorer there uh, frustratingly um, yeah especially as the fact that we, we were in the lead twice in that game and we sort of mm. threw it away really Um two tough fixes and just one point to show for the United efforts. Um, performances look like it's starting to get a bit better but just sloppy defending costs us dearly in these games, did not it?
1: Yeah, but, You know, games that we've played since, you know, all them games were called off. I think we've played progressively better in the three games, but I think at the same time, the opposition has been progressively more difficult. I think Harrogate were probably the easiest opposition of the three, and we've played abysmal against them. Yeah, I think Salford, a bit better, well, I say a bit better than Harrogate, they were a lot better than Harrogate, but... We played. We played better against Salford yeah. and Tranmere for me were the best team of the three, and we played probably the best out of them three. But ultimately, Tr- Tranmere were just devastating, sort of uh, on on the counter really against us, weren't
0: they? Uh, they look a good side. I, I, yeah, they're, they're not just a, a good side in terms of the way they play. You know, cause, you know, I think James and Lummy maybe were a little bit over the top in their praise of them. I think they were a very good side, but I don't think they were like Brazil 17, the way they were playing. Mm. What they were good at, they were good at mixing up. They did go along when they had to, but they also got the ball down and played when they could as well. Mm. And they played the conditions pretty well as well. They didn't overuse the wind in the second half, even though it was in their favour. They you know, they, they just tried to, to sort of grind us down a little bit, didn't they? And mm. they, they're a wily side. They've got some clever experienced players in there. I mean, you, you, look at the spine they've got in that team. You're Peter Clark, Jay Spearing, James Vaughan. I think most teams at this level would kill for a spine as good as that, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, definitely. And I know we've got a pretty decent spine in our team, but you know that—that's just bags of experience and quality is all well thrown in. Yeah, that, that just, I just—I just feel that Tranmere game is probably one of the toughest games we've played, and it just—just just felt really a bit deflated after it because I felt we'd done well enough to get into the lead in the games, and then get obviously it was level with not long to go. You just think to yourself, alright, just you know what? Don't get too over the top here. Two points, we said, didn't we, in our pr- preview, mm. two points from these two games is not a bad result.
1: No.
0: It's not a bad result at all. It would have been mm. it would have been decent. But then Hayden just had a bit of a stinker in that second half. We'll get onto that in a in a yeah. minute, maybe. But when you look back at it, that Exeter game, that win, papered over the cracks is probably the wrong phrase, if you know what I mean, but it, I think mm. it got people's hopes up a little bit too much. Yeah. Exeter, we stifled Exeter really well that day, but I think maybe if we'd been able to have the runner games after that, and didn't have that other two week break, it might have been easier.
1: Yeah.
0: Because definitely. we've had that other break, I don't think it helped things, and yeah. we we just we're just struggling maybe to to find the same sort of form we did in that period where we we got ourselves up to near the top of the table or to the mm. top of the table at the start of the year. Um yeah. So yeah, I mean. Back to the Salford game. Um, started the game well at, again, didn't we? It's one of these things that towards the start of the season, we were really flying at the start of some games and, and we kept it up after that, didn't we? The problem here is we've just not been able to keep it up in the last couple of games, have we? We, we sort of tied it out towards the end. So, I mean, I think, do you think the lack of games maybe has become a bit of an issue? And do you think maybe that, I know the club haven't. understandably have not been telling us which players have got covered, and things like that. Totally understand that but maybe we're starting to see from some of the players that they're not maybe 100% fully recovered from that yet.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the Salford game in particular, I mean, I know that Richie Wellens said that they dominated us from start to finish, but the first 20 minutes, (laughs) the first 20 minutes, we we were really causing a lot of problems. And I said, these do not like to be pressed. Like we were pressing Mm -hmm. them quite a lot in their own half and they were sort of, you know, making little mistakes here and there. And, we just we couldn't keep it up for the full 90 minutes. And, you know, it's 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 going gonna, it's gonna to take us a little while to get back into that groove, I think.
0: I think these next two games are probably the ideal two games to follow up on. Obviously, we'll talk about that when we do the yeah. previous stuff. But I think after a couple of games like this, they are the ideal games. I mean, Fox Analytics FC on Twitter have been really good and helped us out a couple of games recently with some stats. They provided some from the Tranmere game. Um, so, so, one thing that jumps out from that game actually is Carlisle's passing stats. They were actually below average on passing accuracy for this season, especially forward passes and passes into the final third. This is according to Wisecout, where they get a lot of the stats from. Um, I think the conditions have probably had a lot to do with that, didn't they, Mike? I think the conditions were horrendous, and I don't think either the yeah. team particularly enjoyed it out there, did they? I mean, that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, we call it beach ball, don't we? Chris beaches football and mm-hmm. philosophy. I think a lot of it is sort of you kind of start with a long ball forward and then chase that ball down and if you're going to play football do it in the final third don't mm-hmm. bother faffing around playing f- football in, in sort of deep in your own half. But um and I, you know we just, we just seem to go to that a bit too eagerly because there have been times where we have been able to play it out as well. You know, we've been able to sort of, you know, sort of Tanner or uh, Anderton have been able to sort of play them sort of, I don't want to say long balls, but then them balls down the channels where sort of Patrick or uh, someone can sort of run onto yeah. them and cause problems. It's it's not a long ball in the fact that it's just an aimless punt at someone's head, but it's, you know, it's still, it's a bit more uh, concise, shall we say, than uh, just punting it forward. But I think... The players just need to get back in that rhythm of knowing when to play it a little bit easier and when to just sort of punt it forward and and chase it down.
0: Yeah, uh, interestingly, the, the pass accuracy stats in the into the final third for Carlisle were thirty seven percent. Tranmere forty six. So they definitely cope with the conditions mm-hmm. a lot better than we did in terms of that. Tranmere's pressing was actually much more intense than ours too. So their um, passes per defensive action, which is the stat they use to sort of work out in terms of pressing. Um, ours was below our season average so um, Tramers was 3.79 and ours was 7.9 I think the lower the value the more intensely the team are trying to win the ball back in the final mm. two thirds of the pitch so it shows we weren't quite at the same level the Tramers one they, they played as our game in that sense and, and got the best of it um, moving away from the stats so I would advise to follow Fox Analytics on uh, Twitter though. there's some really interesting stuff they put up there um, in terms of, sort of focusing on team selection formations and that um, some positives maybe we should look at here so I, I think Tory came in for this game against Tramway, and I thought he was excellent I thought he looked mm. like the Tory we saw at the start of the season he looked a bit refreshed he was getting the ball down he was running at plays but he was using the ball really well he tracked back to win the ball
2: mm.
0: uh, in comparison I thought Patrick on the other side until maybe five ten minutes into the second half had been fairly poor and a little bit wasteful, and I'm a I'm a big fan of him, Mario I really am, but I think sometimes he was just running into sort of blind alleys rather than laying the ball off. Whereas Tory seems to have a little bit of awareness there when he needs to lay the ball off, doesn't he? Um, big yeah, positive to I see think, him doing well.
1: I think at the same time, though, no, Tori more so than Patrick is he absolutely scares the crap out of defenders, and he makes them close him down, and then that'll sort of free up the space. Whereas I feel like Patrick can sometimes be a little bit more one-dimensional in that he'll just sort of knock it and run, and the only thing you can do is close him down, and you know, you, you don't always have to worry that he's going to turn you inside out if you do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I put uh, a bet on him to score in the first 20 minutes, and obviously we did score in the first 20 minutes, but it wasn't him who, uh, who did it. Because I, I just thought he's going to be really sort of... You know, desperate to grab this chance with both hands. and and he clearly was, and it's a tough, it's a tough one for for Saturday, really, because I think Alessandra hasn't sort of, I mean, he hasn't been brilliant since we've come back, but who who has? But you know, who is going to be the front three? Is Torre going to start, or is Alessandra going to start?
0: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what he does. I think actually the front three that started against Tramiers was pretty strong, and. I don't think I'd make a massive change there, to be honest, at the moment. I think against Oldham, I'd fancy them to do really well. Um, another player who had a really positive game down the same flank as Tory for most of this match was uh, Nick Anderton. Because it's interesting when, when you look at people talking about what selection they would have picked for this game, a lot of people were saying, get Jack Armour and drop Anderton. But I'd argue he's probably our best player of the two games, <laughs> the last two games. Yeah. He looked much stronger and he looks like, he's one of those players, once he starts to find a bit of form, He's a really strong, positive player who gets forward and you know, he was doing those little chop turns and stuff like that, wasn't he? He was a great mm. bond to the box for Coyote's goal. I mean, he was a little bit lucky on his own goal. I think the keeper probably should have stopped that. Maybe the conditions mm. playing a bit of a part there, but he looks like he's starting to find the form that he, he discovered sort of towards the start of the season, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he seemed to just be finding acres of space down that left-hand side as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, he was just always open for someone like Guy to just like spread it out. To him and he could just bomb forward, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about um, Armour's passing, haven't we? But I think Anderton just gives that little bit more with his sort of crossing and, and his shooting as well in, in, in the final third.
0: So, yeah, I think Nick's done pretty well in the last few get a couple of games. It's really good to see him getting a bit of form back, and you know, it's good. I think Jack Armour's playing so well when he was in the team it's been good it gives a good bit of competition and you know nick knows that he's you know his team's not pl- place is not guaranteed is it mm. um speaking of places who maybe not have guaranteed places in the team let's get on to the topic of john mellish now you know we've been pretty supportive of john i think over the last few months and we you know we've been really impressed with what he did in terms of his performed in the team, but he's just dropped off a little bit again, hasn't he? And, you know, there's been talk about the fact, you know, was he one of the players who had COVID in January? I think there's, it's not been officially said, has it? But it's been sort of insinuated, hasn't it, effectively. He's not looked quite as effective as he had. I think he probably should have played against Harrogate on a pitch like that. Mm. I think he would have been effective in that game. I think he did okay against Salford probably a little bit lacking against Trammer. The one thing I'd say against Trammer is he did actually start to get into the box a bit more now he hasn't. That's the one thing that actually stands out for me. He's in the team obviously to cause a bit of problems and get about and get into the box and get on chances but actually since that since that goal against oh not that goal sorry when he hit the post against Bolton late on Hmm. on Boxing Day can you think of many real clear-cut chances he's had since then? No not really. No I mean what would you do there? Would you would you Persevere or would you maybe look to make a change in midfield?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's all a bit unfair seemingly on Taylor Charters in that he, he had that man-of-the-match game uh, against Walsall and he's not even making the bench now. And Beach has said he sort of wants it to sort of fire him on and stuff like that. But the way that Mellish is playing at the minute, I, I don't think that we can afford to just be giving players a spot in the team sheet. I mean, I, I said a few weeks ago, I'd rather see Mellish give a hundred percent for sixty minutes than seventy, eighty percent for ninety minutes and you know, I am sure once he gets that fitness back, it he'll be the player that he was before before the break again. But I think, you know, we just needs to be sort of uh it's game time maybe we just needs to be managed a little bit for, for the next few weeks.
0: It's an interesting one with the charters one. I know people a lot of people bagging on about but there's always a risk that we build these young players up to be a bit more than they are at the present. I'm not saying Chats right. can go on to be a great player. I think he, he can. He's had one good game against Warsaw. Let's not then presume he's going to be outstanding in every other game. You know, if he then comes into the team and has a, a stinker, then the pressure is back on the manager. Well, he has to drop him then, and then there's issues, isn't it? Whereas Mellish has obviously got a bit more under his belt in terms of game time, so it's going to be a bit easier for him if he does come out of the team. So it, it, yeah, it's a it's tough a bit- one, isn't it?
1: yeah I mean they they kind of played a similar role in you know that Walsall game and sort of all the games Mellish has played this season and I just think I'd like to see you know if, you, if you're going to carry on starting Mellish fine play him for 60 minutes and then bring Charters on for the final 30 you know don't mm. necessarily throw Charters in as the main man of the team but certainly uh, we, we have a, a good quality option there and it'd be nice to use him because I think just making Mellish play 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes when he, he's already knackered probably isn't the best thing for no, him.
0: No, it's not. Uh, to be fair, I don't think we could say Mellish costs us this game though, could we? It's not like he, he no. his performance was the reason we lost. And no. I'm not saying their performance is the reason we lost, but I think it's probably the first time you could say this season that Reese Bennett and Aaron Hayden had absolute stinkers and it... Mm. <laughs> Ross and Luck. it... It's come in the same game for both of them, really, hasn't it? I don't think either of them yeah. particularly impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it sounds like we've been quite overly critical of players, but, I mean, these players have set us a standard. Yeah, that's really the issue. Set such, you know, such a high
0: standard, the pair of them, yeah. that when they have a real stink it does stand out. It just does. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, and, you know, it's not often that you see a centre-back hauled off like Hayden was um, more because of his performance. I don't know if he was struggling with... Injury no, or just? Beach,
0: Beach said it was tactical. He, he said after yeah. the game, it's tactical. So you have to. Go yeah, I says. mean,
1: sometimes you can just have a night where just nothing goes right for you, and no. that that was seen to be the case. And he was just really struggling against uh Vaughan, Woolery. and yeah, well, and Woolery, yeah, Um and yeah, but McDonald didn't look brilliant either when he came on. so no,
0: he looked. At, I think he looked okay, but you bear in mind he's what played what one game since. Yeah. I can't remember when he played against Walsh, didn't he? I think that's the only game he's played probably in about two months. Mm. So it's maybe a little bit much to expect him to come in and excel straight away, I suppose. So
1: Having said that, mm. Reese Bennett hadn't played football in how long when, when he joined us?
0: True, true. Different sort of player, though, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a shame, really, because like I said, they've been consistent. Seven out of eight, eight out of eight players probably most this season, mm. the pair of them. And it's probably the first time you'd, you'd struggle to give either of them a 5 out of 10, wouldn't you, really? Because yeah. that's the way it was. But hey, uh, look, as long as they get that one game out of the way now and the rest of the season, they're great. You, yeah. you won't remember that, will you? That's the thing. You, yeah. You'll know.
1: I mean, the the thing as well is that in the games before we had that break, um, I remember there was, I think, like two or three games where Farman didn't have a single shot on target against him.
0: Yeah, we you had know, to rely um, on the last couple of games. And fair play, we haven't touched on that, actually. You're right. Farman was well, excellent.
1: Well, you say the last couple of games. I mean, the Salford game, he made, he had to make a string of really good saves. I mean, that we got that point because of him that day. Um, but the Tranmere game, he didn't make as many. I mean, he, he made a couple of very good saves, but the, the the flag was was the flag was up for offside. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, it's still uh, it's still impressive. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you need your keeper there to be called upon. But before this sort of little break we were sort of such a solid defensive unit that we weren't needing them to be called on very often. And, you know, hopefully we we sort that defence out because that's that's what's been costing us cost the, the past few games.
0: Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we can get them back to the sort of form they were showing. Before we move on to the, the halftime break and then on to the previews, um, one more quick point. is um, bitch too rigid with his tactics. It's something I sort of mentioned after the game to, to someone. His subs are quite often like for like and there's not much of a change mm. of formation. I mean, we talk about the fact that Hayden was struggling. Did you have to sub Hayden off? Could he maybe have not, I don't know, put Dickinson on for Mellish and maybe, I don't know, move Dickinson to the left wing back and push Anderson to be one of the centre-backs? Go mm. free at the back, change it up a little bit? It just feels to me that I, I go to subs I remember, just to change some of the front free, and generally mm. keep the rest the same. At a push, he might take off Melish maybe a couple of times he has, mm. but bar that, there's 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 not as much invention in there. and You wonder maybe if it's a chance for Thurman to come into the team as well. possibly. I don't know. It's it's an interesting mm. one, isn't it?
1: Well, we, we had uh, under Keith Curl as well. If we were losing Michael Rains, a go up front for like the last five or ten minutes, mm. you know, so, something like that. But we, we haven't really seen Hayden or Bennett sort of pushed into that. They've not really of...
0: had to though, have they? As the thing. No, that's, that's, that's you, true. Way of looking it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the subs as they're coming on, they're not really making the impact that you'd hope at the moment. I don't think, and I, I, I hate to mention his name again, but Zanzal is not. He's struggling to settle in, isn't he? I, I, I really do want him to do well. It's not we don't mm. want him to do well, but it doesn't feel like we're finding a way to fit him into our system, does it? And get the best out of him. That's the problem.
1: No, no. Although I had to laugh because you texted well, in the uh, the group chat, didn't you? Saying, oh, we really need to bring a sub on. <laughs> and then it showed Sam Salah on the touchline. And we're just like, oh, not him. <laughs> yeah,
0: a bit bit mean that was, to be fair. But no, nah, you know what? He probably is a good, but I mean, crew don't sign bad players generally. You know, I know they've let him go halfway through that season, but he just wasn't getting his chances. That's just the way it was. Mm. I, I just hope he can maybe just, just a goal to go off his backside or something would be ideal, wouldn't it? And, Get him going, yeah. maybe, but but there you go. Um Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the the, the review stuff. I mean, it sounds very negative, a lot of it, but you know there are positives in there. We're, mm. we're slowly but surely getting back to the form we were in. I think, but mm. these next two games are vital me, because you can't afford to slip up in these two. If you do, no, and then we start not. to drop off the pace. Okay, yeah. Mike. Then uh, let's take a, a quick break, and then we'll be back shortly uh to look ahead to those two games. And we've got a little uh, bit with uh, an Oldham fan as well to follow. So we're back in just a sec. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. Thanks that, George. Always good to hear him. Uh, got his goal against uh, Salford. He was very pleased about that, wasn't he? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I bet he was. He certainly was. Uh, Okay, so yeah, we're on to the the previews now. So that's the Oldham and Colchester games. First up, what we've got is uh, I've spoken to... um, Matt, who is one of the presenters on the Boundary Park Alert System podcast, which is a podcast for Alden fans. Uh, we we talked ahead of the game about uh, what's been going on at Alden this season, um, their mad defence and mad attack, and uh, how Harry Kill's getting on as boss at Boundary Park. So, uh, we'll play that bit now, and uh, we'll be back shortly to discuss it. Okay, Matt, from the uh, Boundary Park Alert System podcast, I don't know where you got that name for it, for it but it's a to that. Um, Thanks for joining us for a little chat ahead of this weekend's game. Um, first off, just about Oldham season generally. How do you think it's gone? I mean, it seems to have been a bit of slog for you guys. You've not actually managed to get in the top half yet this season, have you?
2: There's a stat about the top half in Oldham, which may or may not surprise you, but we haven't finished in the top half of any division, be that mainly League 1 or League 2 for 10 years. Wow. So... We're, we're, we're on course for just another average season we tend to finish 17th, that seems to be our our position and we're there now at the minute and the thing is we've scored bucket loads of goals mm. but we've shipped even more and that's the problem, I mean we played you in the uh, Carabao Cup didn't we at the first game yeah. of the season, beat you 3-0 and we thought here, here we go um, and then we didn't win for seven <laughs> games then in the league, you know Um, it's just the same old story with us. We start with a brand new manager and a brand new squad every year. You know, string, like minimum players, you know, um, six or seven players, and then we're starting all over again. So, yeah, it's just the same old, same old. It's very frustrating.
0: Of the last few seasons, well, there seems to be a few issues in terms of the ownership as well. I mean, that seems to be an ongoing saga. What's the latest with that?
2: Well, yeah. Once we we got relegated from League One, the new owner came in that year, sort of took over in the January. Um, we got relegated then, obviously in the in the April May. And um, yeah, season ticket sales were up for that for that first season back in League Two. I think everyone thought, you know, new owner, um, maybe we'll we'll be too strong for the division. But we sacked Richie Wellings as the manager just before. Uh, just when the pre-season training started again um, bought in Frankie Bourne uh, sacked him after we lost again 6-0 against you lot, actually was it that um, one? yeah so Frankie got sacked then we were in 7th in the league um, doing alright and since then you know he's I think how many managers I've lost count, I've lost count Paul Scholes came in uh, not there. long after Frankie Bourne got sacked and it's just been the constant chop- chopping and changing and the owner um His brother is the sporting director, and you know we've been through all these managers, and and he's been the constant. And that's pretty much the issue, really. I think you know interference from that side of things in the dressing room, them deciding who comes in instead of the manager deciding who comes in, and it's got a bit of a kind of football manager like bedroom. Let's have a go; see, we reckon we can do this kind of vibe to it, and. You know, it's not going very well. Um, we're relatively stable off the pitch at the minute. Uh, you know, people are getting paid on time, and that side of things is kind of at the minute seems to be okay. Um, but on the pitch, you know, with the attacking team that we've got, we should have, we should be up in the in the top six. And they just not, they just don't seem to know where to strengthen and how to build a proper squad. It's just throwing a few flair players and, and hope for the best. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. it's funny you
0: mentioned that 6-0 because um, I think John Sheridan was our manager back then It was obviously a link between the two clubs there and he was as miserable as legend sin after that
2: legend John Sheridan yeah
0: he was so angry after that game we'd won 6-0 and he, you wouldn't think we had you'd think we'd been battered 6-0 the way he was reacting he was incredible so
2: yeah, yeah he's got a bit of a, he's got a, bit, of a temp, bit of a temper on him John but uh, mm. he's a passionate guy and uh, he's very direct and straight talking and, and that's yeah. what you want um kind of the opposite of, of Harry Kuhl at the minute, who you get the feeling, tells you what you want to hear, as opposed to what he's really thinking, yeah. which comes I'm not at, a big yeah. fan of, to be honest.
0: comes on nicely, actually, because I'm going to ask you, how, how do you think he's getting on as manager? I saw you've done a poll about whether he should have his contract extended at the end of the season. He's uh, seemed to be he's one of those ones, isn't he? He did well at Crawley, I think, in his first job. Got the Notts County job. I think he walked out on Crawley, didn't to go to Notts County. It was an absolute disaster there, but anyone could have a disaster not to carry the way they were run. And now he's got this job. He doesn't seem to be really taking the opportunity.
2: I mean, it's again, it's hard for him, for any managers coming at Oldham because the sporting director is, is influential on who, who comes in and who doesn't. You know, Previous managers have left or not accepted extensions of the contracts. Oldham fans, people with big connections at the club who have not wanted to hang around because of the way... It, the it's run at, at that level. So if Harry wants to keep his job, first of all he has to comply with the sporting director, um, and he has to try and bring in the players that you know manage the players that he brings in. Having said that, is he getting the best out of the, the team currently? You'd have to say no. He tinkers a hell of a lot. I have no idea what team is going to put out against Carlisle on Saturday. No doubt it'll be it'll be different to uh, to um, the team that lost against Barrow last night and you just don't know, and there's just not been any kind of consistency. He, like last night, he brought on three subs, and it was just kind of like, I'm just going to throw subs on and see what happens here. And at the same time, he brought off Dylan Bahambula, who is definitely one of the players you need to watch out for at the weekend because he's been brilliant, but he's brilliant out wide. And last night, Harry decided to play him up top on his own. Um, I, have, I have no idea why. And mm-hmm. and then he's given out to the players just last night that they, you know that they didn't, that they didn't work hard and they didn't perform. But I can't help but think that if you just tried and played a consistent side for a while, that it might help everybody understand their roles, understand the position and, and build up that kind of team spirit. Chopping and changing just doesn't work, does it, at any level?
0: No, definitely not. We we found that with Beach and charge. Once he found a consistent team selection, he generally stuck with it. He's tinkered a little bit here and there, but not made massive changes. You mentioned Bahambula there. I had picked him out as a danger man. How good has he been this season? I saw the goal he scored against Tramway the other day, but all the stats show that he's the, the best dribble in the division. I think he's like we've got Gimitore who we signed from Heartburn, and someone who's been great for us. But he sounds like Torre on steroids.
2: He can be unplayable at mm-hmm. this level. He really can. Like sometimes, I mean, the th- sometimes when you get a player like that, the, the, one of the problems is is that nobody knows what he's going to do, even players on your own team. Yeah. So. Um, you know, he'll he'll sometimes he overdoes it a little bit, you know, it, it, but he, he once he gets the ball at his feet he twists and he turns and he runs and he and he drives forward and, and you know, if anything he, he should probably start hitting more from outside the box and having more of a pop uh, and getting a few more goals. But he's he's our, he's got the most assists for our team and he's got I think he's got three or four goals now. We've got an extension on him next season, but whether or not we'll be able to keep him on, you know, I'm highly dubious about that, to be honest. I and mean, it'd be a real shame. It's one of those seasons where we've got really good attacking players and players that we'd love to go and watch. And, you know, there's some of them we might never get to see them, which is a really, real shame. I
0: think that's where well, we've been quite lucky, Carlisle. We've had those games in December where we were able to attend. And yeah. obviously we had a test event as well in the south end at the start of season two. So we've been a bit lucky in that sense. The 2,000 of us have got to go. Another one I would pick out from your squad, because he's uh, players is very familiar to us, Nicky Adams. How's he getting on? I've noticed he's playing at right back, actually, since you signed him.
2: Yeah, you'll have to ask Gary Kuehl about that, mate. Um, <laughs> why he's playing at right back. We've been crying out all season for an experienced head in midfield. Our midfield is made up of low knees and inexperienced um, young lads that have come down from a higher level. Um, you know, technically good, but just not able to mix it in League 2 and boss the game. So we've been getting overrun in midfield all season. And, uh, you know, for me, Adams, I just stuck him right in the middle, stuck him in the centre of mid because uh, he gets stuck in. Um, you know, he's good on the ball. He knows what he's doing with it. He's, he's, a, he's a captain. He's a leader. He's been made the captain already, you know, and he's been stuck at right back. And the first game against Newport, when he played, he was playing a bit more like a wing back and he was getting forward and he was mm. getting balls in and we beat them at home. Um, and he looked really effective, but since then he's just played like a standard right back, and he's he's doing most of his playing, you know, defending our penalty area, and kind of it seems like a waste to me, to be honest. But Harrier just has this knack of bringing players in, um, and then sticking them in the position that he thinks is is the best for them, as opposed to the position that that maybe they're most comfortable in. Again. You'll have to ask Gary about that. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. You can probably tell that I'm not convinced about Gary No. One of the things that old one of the things that older is we we get through managers like you get through socks, you know what I mean? And it's just we're all desperate for some consistency. So, like, mm-hmm. we want to give him a chance. We want to start next season with the same manager. But after like performances like last night, and we're so inconsistent, and he seems so determined not to do anything about the defence. And and you just, you know, you can only sort of keep that faith for so long, can't you, really, before you start to wonder. Well, and, but then it comes down to who do you bring in? So, yeah, it's uh, it's hard work being an Oldham fan these days. I
0: suppose the issue is whoever comes in, as you've said before, has to deal with the same sporting director, don't they? So that's the... We need. The we place.
2: just need an experienced manager at this level who comes in, who's, who's got a good scouting network, who knows the league knows how to build an effective team um that can that is physical and and has a style of play and, and, and knows what it's doing. Build a squad like that. Um we've been bullied so many times this season off teams like Harrogate and uh Tramere, I can remember, and, and they've come to Boundary Park um and they've just been too physical for us. And um you know we're not we don't seem to be building a side for League two. We've got some players yeah. who are definitely good enough to play Higher than League Two, but you know, you need a squad for League Two, and we just don't have that.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that about being physical because that's one thing we've been accused of this season is being quite a physical side, <laughs> not to worry or anything for this weekend. But yeah, um, just got to briefly mention some of our ex Alden players. I don't know what memories you've got of these lads. Um, the three I've found that I can remember is Rod McDonald's, Dean Furman, and Luis Alessandra. I think both had a, all three of them had a
2: differing careers at Boundary Park. Yeah, who was the first one you said? It was Rod
0: McDonald, but I'm not sure he played actually. If you're no, team. I
2: don't remember him at all. Look, I, the, the, I there's more Roden players that I've forgotten than than mm-hmm. can remember. There's there's that many that come through the books these days, and like you say, some of them don't even play or or they make a they had cameo. But Furman and Alessandro were both popular players for us. You know, Dean Furman was a was a very good midfielder, and Lewis Alessandro was was very popular. Not, I think he might come up through the through the youth. I think ranks, he was, wasn't he? Rightly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're both good players, and it's always nice to see to see them. Uh, I remember them coming um, to Boundary Park earlier on in the season. So it's nice to see them, nice to see them doing well. I think they were both popular with the fans. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I th- to be honest with you, I think you'll turn us over Saturday. I've got no faith in us actually getting a win. So uh, it'd be nice if one of those players doesn't score. Um, but, yeah, I think, like you say, if, if, if you're up for it and you get in our face and... Um, I mean, you've still got aspirations for the playoffs, haven't you? You've got loads of games that you need to catch up on, haven't you?
0: Well, this is the problem. We've got game in the hand on every, pretty much every team in the division, but they don't kick in for another three weeks because all all the, all the upcoming games are scheduled games that would have been there. So we've got to keep in contact at the moment, and we're struggling because we had a long period off. We had a few players who had COVID who seem to be struggling a bit since returning. So. So last night, after throwing it away against Tramahoe, having it, the lead twice, I think some of our fans are starting to get a bit more realistic about things. So I think top seven is definitely a realistic target, but top three is looking like it might be more of a challenge than it would have been before this break.
2: Yeah, because you, you were off to fly, weren't you? you? did really well at the beginning of the season, didn't you?
0: Oh yeah, we were fantastic. And it's funny how you mentioned about QL wanting to mould plays into positions he thinks are right for them. Well, Beach did that with John Mellish. He was convinced he was a midfielder and not a centre-back. And at first I found "Oh, really? He's not struggling a bit here. But then he went on a run of something like 10 goals in 10 games from midfield. But Fair he's he, he, he struggled a bit since. He, he actually did get COVID, I think, in January. club I don't think have ever officially confirmed it, but it was more or less hinted at. And he's not really been the same player since then either. So just goes to show, doesn't it?
2: One thing I haven't mentioned, Lee, as well is we've got David Weeter who hasn't played a single game for us all season and there's been some kind of dispute between um, some kind of falling out over COVID wages and this, that and the other, allegedly, and um, he's, he's not played all season. He's the most experienced pro we've got. He's the highest earner and the club have come out and said one thing and another about why he's not playing, but the, you know, at the end of the day, we've got the worst defence in the league and we've got... Probably one of the best defenders in the league sat on the bench. Well, he's not even sat on the bench. He's been training with the U team. You know, it does uh,
0: seem to be cutting your nose off in spite of your face, doesn't it?
2: Oh, it's just it's it's just so frustrating. It's because if we could have just showed up that defense, just made it somewhat better. You know, we've mm. kept one clean sheet all season. You know, we've just with the amount of goals we've scored, we should be up there. We should be, we should be coming up against you in the in the playoffs. You know, we should yeah. be, be able to chat again in May and uh, <laughs> looking forward to potentially going to Wembley. But yeah. well, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to finish off by asking your prediction, but I think you've already hinted up. There's probably going to be goals in this game. I think it's fair to say, but you don't seem confident of an and win.
2: Well, we failed to score last night, which is very unusual. As far as I can remember, that's only the second game that we've not scored in. Mm. Um, So, yeah, you'd expect us to score goals. You'd expect a reaction because it was such Mm. a pathetic performance last night. Um, There's been a really bad reaction by the fans, as you can imagine, on social media. Uh, Harry's not happy. Um, So maybe you'll you'll get the backlash. um, But, I don't know. I just... I'd like to be more optimistic about our chances, but going off form, I'm going to say that you lads are probably favourites tomorrow. Uh, sorry, on Saturday. Fair enough,
0: Matt. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck after this weekend for the rest of the season.
2: I'm going to try and get me pecker up. We could do with a win against you just to cheer me up and get me in a better mood about all them. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we. That's what we do. Don't take it personally if we do. We need it. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a medicine for us. Yeah. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. Thanks for having me on, Lee. Cheers.
0: Okay, we're back again. So uh, thanks once again to Matt for joining me the other day to discuss that really good chat I had with him. Um, <laughs> I feel a bit bad for him. He wasn't the most positive about all things Alden, was he, Mike? I think it's fair to say.
1: Uh, no, but I, th- I think 10 years of consecutive bottom half finishes would, you know, grind down any man, I think. It's
0: incredible, right, isn't it? I couldn't, but when he said yeah. that start, I couldn't believe it. I, was, that's, yeah. I wanted to say to him, also the fact that they've not been in the top half at all this season, but they're so mm. not finished in the top half. For ten years, is mm. pretty pretty mind blowing, that isn't it? Yeah. I and mean, that's that's the first game we've got up uh, for that one. So that's taking place on Saturday. Interesting. The ref for this one is Carl Boyson. Uh, he referees us quite a few times a season, doesn't he? I think he's a name that always pops up. But the yeah. last time he refed us was the Carabao Cup game against Oldham at the start of this season. Mm. You don't see that very often. refereeing the same teams twice in one
2: season—quite
0: so, mm. the stat. Um, yeah, in terms of form, I mean, that their form's pretty similar to ours really in terms of the fact that they've in the last six they've won lost won lost drawn lost so basically they they're losing every other game at the moment um they're in the actual league table they're 17th place on 35 points having played 29 games with a goal difference of -7 now that goal difference doesn't tell you the fact that they've got the second best attack behind cambridge in the division mm. <laughs> they've scored i think what was it um i've got it down here somewhere they've scored 46 goals in their game so far this season, but they've got comfortably the worst defense in the division, having conceded fifty-three goals. Twentieth mm. place Stevenage have conceded twenty-two goals less than them. <laughs> that that's incredible. They, they've just yeah. they've just got a dreadful defense this season. They're really really struggling at the back. Um, yeah, it, this is the first game up. I think it's going to be a tough one. I think there potentially going to be goals in it, but. I think we've got to get at them early on, straight away, haven't we? In this game,
1: yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? When they beat us three 0 you know. Well, I thought that we were going to have a a long, hard season, and yeah. they were potentially going to have a good one, and it's kind of gone the other way around, hasn't it? But yeah, I mean, we've just we've got to get at them. We? we can't we can't be afraid. We've just got to shake off our malaise from the past sort of few few games and just really sort of go, no, we're fighting for promotion here. We really need to sort of stamp our authority.
0: Yeah. Um, last time out, they suffered a 1-0 defeat against Barrow. I mean, <laughs> that that's not saying much for them, is it really? No. Barrow have been an absolutely appalling form, although Rob Kelly mm. seems to be the the man to do the job for them as caretaker and taken over them But, that, from back but that's forward.
1: the thing as well. You know, second-best attack in the league, you'd think they'd be able to score against Barrow, but... <laughs> Obviously well, the
0: interesting, obviously, Matt from the Oldham podcast did mention there, the fact that their big danger man is Dylan uh, Bahambula, mm. who, you know, like you, I think you saw the goal he scored against Tradmeyer the other day, didn't you, Nick? Mm. I mean, what a strike that was. He turns mm. his man and then he hits it. It's, it's pretty much from the right wing, isn't it? <laughs> mm. And he just smashes it over the, the keeper's head and into the back of the net. Brilliant mm. goal. And he, in terms of dribbling stats, I think if Gimmi Torre played all his games, he'd be right up there with him. But he's mm. like, I think, miles ahead of pretty much every player in the division. Mm. But like you said, defensively, they don't seem to know how to sort things out, really. They're, they're great going forward and they cause problems. And they may be lacking a bit of experience in midfield to shore things up in there. One player they did bring in to add some experience in January was, of course, Nicky Adams, who mm. played for United a few seasons ago big fans' favourite of Brunton Park. Interestingly, though, he's playing it right back for them, isn't he?
1: Yeah, which is bizarre, because, well, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know... I maybe mean,
0: you not know, that bizarre, because he's getting older, isn't he? So he's, he's going to maybe get getting a little bit slow, you'd think, and
1: yeah. right back's
0: attack from deep these days, don't they? And you imagine he'd be good at putting balls into the box. So.
1: Yeah, and, you know, he could, he could take a sort of uh, indirect free kick in a corner as well, but yeah, it's, it seems bizarre, but because uh, I think he, he said didn't he that he played at wing back and looked really good and then it, he's just sort of playing more deep as a, an actual right back and it, he hasn't looked as good so I don't, I don't know but it seems like Harry Kuehl's making a few questionable decisions
0: yeah well, like, like we said they've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches almost in attacking we mentioned Bambula there but they've also got um Conor McAllenny, who you wrote off at the start of the season. I said he was going to be a good player. He's their top scorer. He's doing really well for them. Um they've also got um Kellya Dunn, who's a player who's really impressed me in the couple of games against us this season. He looks a real good find for them as well. Um they did let Danny Rowe go to Bradford in January though, didn't he? I think he was out mm. of contract at the end of the season. They basically just took a small chunk of cash to allow him to go there because he said he wasn't gonna sign a new contract. So, you know, they have lost from what the Matt was saying there from the olden podcast as well losing him I think means they haven't really got any, any sticks. Up, the ball doesn't stick up front anymore that's the big issue yeah. they have as well so you wonder maybe if that's part of the reason why they're struggling as well um, yeah Kewell doesn't seem to be overly popular based on the poll they've done on Twitter I think they've asked whether he should have his contract extended I think only like 22% I think said he should so clearly mm. not impressed them there um, It's interesting wasn't it? Cause he because he he started out, I think he was at Watford, as their under-23 coach, and he went to Crawley and did well there. Mm. Got poached by Notts County and was just a disaster for them. <laughs> but they're like but to edit. be
1: fair, I mean, a lot yeah. of managers struggle at Notts County, don't they? So
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. But he's gone to Oldham to try and sort of rebuild his career. And I don't know, it's one of those ones, isn't it? If, he, if There's clearly issues off the field there in terms of who is in charge of transfers and stuff. Maybe Kiel feels he hasn't really got the right to go to any club in demand. You know, I'm the big man. I'm, you know, I'm the one who's going to make these decisions. So he's felt this is the right role for him. I don't know. Mm. The interesting one there, also mentioned in the clip, was about David Wheaton not playing because he's he's been a great defender down the years, hasn't he? And you know, they're struggling defence and they won't pick him.
1: Yeah, it's mad that he's ended up in league 2, Really, because mm. I I remember when he sort of first broke through at Middlesbrough. I thought he's really sort of well, there was cause...
0: talk he was going to come and loan to us, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then they had an injury crisis and he sort of had to play for Middlesbrough. But he, he looked really good when he broke through in, in, in their first team and I thought he'd be a Premier League player for, for years, but he, he he didn't really last long in the Premier League, did he? And then he's just sort of dwindled down to... League... He was at Bolton for a bit, I think, wasn't he? Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's weird that he's there, but you would think that if the defence has been struggling, they'll be calling upon him, but seemingly not.
0: No, seemingly not by the look of things, seemingly that off-the-field issue there uh, isn't going to resolve itself. Last little stat before we move on to the Colchester stuff, Mike. Um, <laughs> all them, just to show how many goals they have been in the games this season. 99 goals involving them. Um, so, whoever, whoever scores against United, sorry, scores in this game at the weekend, not with the 100th goal involved in their games this season.
1: There you go. That's
0: an astonishing statistic, isn't it, really? Uh, OK, let's move on to the Colchester game then. I mean, this this is a game where I mean, normally you look at it; it's a long trip down to the southeast, isn't it? It's you know, it's absolute pain in the backside to get to because of the way you have to go to get to mm. Colchester. You'd normally be happy with a point, probably from this sort of long trip for a midweek game. But they haven't won in thirteen games. Mm. You've got to be targeting three points for this one, surely?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, it's weird. They're they're sort of a, they're a relatively big club, to be honest with you. I mean, you know. They they seem to have quite a bit of money when they were in League One, um, probably about ten years ago. I
0: think. Yeah, I think the owner though he said didn't he, he was going to stop throwing money at it and start investing in the youth side of it and try and mm. produce their own players. And I think they've produced a few down the years, but th- there comes a point where you maybe have to put a little bit of money in to keep yourself sort of in touch with you know the teams challenging at the top. And they let a load of players go, didn't they, before the playoffs last season? And mm. when that happened, it sort of. Set of alarm bells ringing over. Ooh, what are they going to be like next season <laughs> if, they, if they're yeah. letting players go before they have a chance in the playoffs? You know, it was a bit of a did did send a message.
1: I think Harry pell has been injured, hasn't he? He's sort of a yeah. A key well, I, player for I, I
0: didn't include him as a danger man simply for that reason that he's you know, mm. he's he's an absolute knob at the best of times. Mm. Yeah, but he's a good player and he's injured for them. He's their captain, so that's yeah. clearly something that's going to be a struggle for them too.
1: Yeah, but have you heard that his sister always has a very hard time oh, when God. when she visits France because when she tries to tell someone a name she says je m'appelle, je m'appelle.
0: Jesus Christ, that's that's yeah. that's appalling. But yeah, let's move on from that <laughs> straight away. So yeah, so that that, that run of thirteen games without a win has cost Steve Ball, his job as manager. They brought in caretaker boss Wayne Brown to to fill the role for the time being. He was uh, a goalkeeper for the youth back in the day. I think he was at Ipswich as well, wasn't he, for, a, for quite a while. Mm. Um, interestingly, he was managing their under-23 side, but he was also manager of non-league side Maldon and Tiptree. I don't think he's lost that job or left that job, but obviously because there's no non-league football happening, they mm. basically said, yeah, it's fine for him to be caretaker. <laughs> so he's effectively <laughs> got two management jobs going at the same time right now.
1: Mm. Yeah, That's it's crazy, that, isn't it? That's yeah. a weird
0: one, that. So they're hoping he can, you know pick them up and maybe get them uh, going again. But it looks a tough ask, doesn't it? I mean, there's still decent players in the squad. I mean, they sang, re-signed Frank Newblade, didn't they, in January? I mean, he's mm. a, he was an excellent player for them a couple of years ago, I seem to remember. He yeah, yeah. always causes us problems. And Callum Harriott has been a decent player down the the years. I think he came off at half halftime uh, in the last game, so I wonder if he maybe has a knock, possibly. Maybe he won't be involved. Mm. Giovanni Brown's always one that causes us problems. And... You know, even in defence, you've got Eastman and um, Tommy Smith, are, You know, both experienced campaigners. Tommy so
1: think, Smith must be getting on a bit
0: now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? You'd think with players like that in defence, they wouldn't be struggling so much. But mm. uh, but yeah, seeing in terms of former Blues in their squad, you've got Shamal George, a goalkeeper who was on loan from Liverpool. He's their second choice. I think he's only played a couple of games for them, I think, this season. He's very much mm. behind Dean Kirk, Gherkin in the pecking order there. Um, we've got to aim for six points, haven't we? basically, I mean that that's yeah, the summation definitely. from these two games Yeah. really good chance to bounce back against arguably poorer opposition than the last, I mean, not even yeah. arguably they're yeah. poor opposition than the last two that's that's yeah. not being arrogant or anything like that, they are they're just not yeah. as good um, do we maybe change things up in midfield? this is something I've been wondering because we've mentioned about Mellish before, is it maybe time to get Dean Furman in there and take a bit more control?
1: Um, I mean, potentially I mean, when we played Tranmere I thought, right, on paper that's Quite possibly our strongest 11, but mm-hmm. we don't see what beach season training with regards to how sharp and how sort of match fit the players are. You know, I, I said a while ago, there's going to be games where we're going to see someone isn't playing and we'll say, why isn't he playing? But then he'll play on the Tuesday or on the Saturday, you know, because mm. we, we, we do have to. Sort of rotate, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, obviously, I know you said about midfield, but I'm thinking because Alessandra didn't start against Tramir, I think he's maybe more likely to start in this game. Um, but that midfield three of uh, Mellish, um, Riley, and Guy seems to be one of the sort of real constants of the team, and Beach doesn't seem to like changing that too much if he doesn't have to.
0: There's a risk there, it becomes a bit samey, and people sort of figure it out almost, isn't it, really? Yeah, and definitely. Like we said, people seem to suss, you know, to, to win those second, as long as they win the second balls, we maybe run out of ideas a little bit at times. So it'd be mm. interesting to see what he does. Um, let's go on to a bit of team news then. Uh, don't think there's anything new, is there, really? Danny Devine's still out with his knee injury. Um, Morgan Feeney with his broken foot, and Jamie Armstrong with his broken ankle. I don't think there's any new knocks like we said we think Hayden was just taken off for tactical reasons in midweek um so pretty much the same squad to pick for from maybe Jack Armour might come back into it for for one of these games possibly the Colchester game maybe go with the extra defender on the bench rather than attacker mm. for a long trip um predictions Mike
1: well uh I'm gonna go I'm gonna be quite bold and say that we're gonna beat Oldham 3-1 Mm-hmm. uh and we're gonna get goals from uh riley alessandra and uh, Dickinson as well mm-hmm. uh i reckon he might come on off the bench and score a free kick you know put put your money on that um and uh i'll go colchester i'll take a scrappy one nil away win okay. um yeah and i' I'll, I'll go for i'll go for Mellish to Boost his confidence. There
0: you go. Well, I am going to go for a four-two win over. Alden. I think there's just be a, a mad amount of goals in this game. Um, in terms of our goal scorers, I am going to go for. Can I? Can I just go stop
1: on. you one second? Right, don't say that. Callum Guy is going to score. I oh, wasn't, and then, and, and then we can all invest in <laughs> Callum Guy to score. Okay, and he'll score, and okay. we'll be millionaires.
0: Okay, let's do that then. Um, so yeah, no, I, got, I think I am going to go for Coyote to get a new. No, I think he might go on a little run now. I think Tori will get one. Um, doo, doo, doo. I think Hayden will get a header from a corner for this one just to boost his confidence back up again. And you know what? We've, we've been critical. We've been said he struggled to set in. Zanzala's going to come on and get a goal later on. Come on, lad. Let's see. Oh, yeah. come on, Ozzy. Let's have a goal. Let's have a goal from Ozzy. Yeah. Okay. And then for the, for the Colchester game, we we'll go for a 2 0 win. Uh, and I think you'll have goals from um, Dickinson. And Zanzala, why not? He's going to get two and two. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's going to find form. Once he gets his goal, he's going to do it. I've decided I have spoken, and that's what is exactly what's going to happen in this game. Okay, Mike, so that's the predictions out of the way. Let's get on to the X-Files now, because there's a, there's a few goals to talk through this week. We've had a couple of quiet mm-hmm. weeks, but uh, the the X-Players have been backing the goals now. Um, start up, so Andy Cook got a brace for Bradford. Um, Paddy Madden scored again for Fleetwood. Ryan Loft. He's really finding some good form for Scunthorpe, isn't he? I've been reading some good reviews from their fans. About him. Mm. I've, I said before, I thought he looked an alright player for us, you know. I don't think he was as bad as some made out. There's certainly a bit of ability there anyway. Um, yeah, it's
1: just consistency, wasn't it? Was the, Yeah, sure Get, thing.
0: I think getting a run of games will help him massively this season, mm. definitely. Uh, Reese James scored again for Doncaster. He's had a few this season. Uh, one name fans might not remember, Jordan Marshall, who was one of our uh, youth team players. I think he was very close to getting a professional contract, but I think because... Granger was ahead of him. He was a left-back. He didn't get one and he went to Queen of the South and then he's done well in Scotland. But he was scored for Dundee against Queen of the South, funnily enough. Uh, Jerry Yates scored again for Blackpool. Sean Miller um, scored his first goal for Bolton. You know, the week it's, it's another week. Another Charlie White goal for Sunderland. Mm. And finally, a uh, name we haven't heard in a while, Naki Wells. He scored for Bristol City, which brings us on nicely to the bit about coaching roles, doesn't it, Mike? Seamless. Seamless link there. <laughs> So uh, we mentioned obviously last week that Paul Simpson had uh, taken over as caretaker at uh, Bristol City. Well, his caretaker spell didn't last too long because uh, another ex-Car United manager, Nigel Pearson, has taken the job at Ashton Gate. Uh, Simpson is going to assist them though from what I can gather. I don't know if that's at the mm. end of the season or temporarily, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a pair of ex-Car United managers in charge. I think that's a really smart appointment for Bristol City, that I have to say in terms of them. Yeah, because he's, he's a manager who knows that level so well and he's got a really good chance of getting them up, I reckon, in the next couple of yeah, years. Yeah,
1: I- yeah, well, I was going to say I wouldn't mind punting them to to go up next year because he's one hell of a manager, certainly at that level. And th- I mean, Watford last season sacking him was just utterly ridiculous. And it just looks even more was, stupid uh, now, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was I was glad that they went down to be, to be <laughs> honest after they sacked him because they were dead and buried when he took over and he he av- he was averaging not far off two points a game, wasn't he? And then and then they just let him go. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And just a couple more bit of coaching news. Um, a couple of ex United strikers have got some uh, new coaching roles. Billy Painter has stepped up from working with the youth team at Port Vale to assist new manager Daryl Clark at Vale Park. So uh, mm. good luck to Billy in his first uh, assistant, sort of first team coaching role.
1: It could be feisty if Keith Girl gets another job <laughs> and uh, you know they're on the uh, touch touchline together.
0: I'm sure they'll shake hands. Um <laughs> and uh, and finally uh Brian Wake is continuing his Scandinavian Odyssey. Uh he's now got a new job in Denmark. He's managing I like, can have to get this pronunciation right. I did uh look it up before, so right, just give me one sec, give me one sec. Here. Shell Rep. Shell rep. Oh oh yeah, oh is, um, yeah, yeah. Rep. So Rep in Denmark is his new club that he's uh coaching. So uh good luck to Brian and his new role there. And uh that Mike pretty much sums up the X blue stuff so that's it for this week thanks once again for joining me always appreciate it um in terms of all the special stuff you can always still go back and listen to all the old ones i think the george tanner episode i think is now our most listened to episode which is really fantastic thank you to everyone who's uh been listening to that and all the good feedback we've had we're hoping to start out another one in the in the future but um but yeah give that a listen and hopefully we'll get another special recorded soon there's also also the uh the history of the home kit special, as well, which I know uh, went down really well with a lot of people, too. Um, if you've obviously if you've got any comments or feedback or anything you'd like us to discuss, um, suggest that we discuss, please send them into us via either Twitter at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. And then we remind you every week, but I think most of you probably already have done, but if you, if you want to keep getting every episode every week when they're released, then remember to subscribe. On any good podcast app, that's like Acas, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If there's any apps we're not on, then let us know. We'll try and get ourselves on there. And uh, if you can give us a review on any of those apps as well, that'd be fantastic. You know, get more people to to learn about uh, our uh, show. Um, there's nothing new on the world map, of listeners. Mike, I've just checked, so yeah. nowhere new, I'm afraid. But you know, thank you to everyone around the world who keeps on listening to us. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back next week. I think probably Thursday again. We'll do a recording, Mike, and we're we'll back on the Friday. So. Uh, yeah. Back with another episode, hopefully, yeah, celebrating six points. That's what we're yeah, hoping for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, up the blues!
1: Cheers.